0: If you were um, with us over the past couple weeks, then I want to extend a uh, a word of appreciation and thanks to those of you who uh, participated in writing words of encouragement and cards uh, as you uh, uh, acknowledge that I've been here for five years, and uh, I just want to say thank you very much. It's been a very encouraging week as I've read through those, and uh, and I do uh, absolutely want to publicly say thank you. I was uh, absolutely surprised last week uh, in the first celebration here at 915. I was peeking during the closing prayer. I often do. It uh, th- doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you have to close your eyes when you pray. But I was peeking during the closing prayer, and I saw Merle Turner, who's uh, uh, on the board uh, at, the, at the foot of the steps. It's not a normal thing. And I either thought something nice was going to happen, uh, or I was going to get fired. And so I was thrilled that it landed the way it did last week. And uh, 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 so thank you. If if the, you are new with us, I'm loving it. And the scary thing is, I'm going for another five. Woohoo! Okay. So 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 <laughs> you say that now. Uh, if you are new with us, and I want to invite you in on what we've been doing around here. We're in this series that we're calling the whole shebang, part two. Last year we took the entire year to look at God's overall story. We're doing it again this year, looking at the overall story, not just the Bible, but the whole thing, the creation, how we fit into the story, church history, what has happened since the writing of the Bible to where we are today. What is the overall story of humanity? And this year, we're looking at it again, looking at the same seven sections, and we're looking at the different characters in this story and inviting God to move in our character in different ways. If you are new with us or have not done so yet, we have binders available for each and every one of you. If you'd like to pick one up, if you'd like to do this journey with us. And each week, we're going to give you a piece of paper. You can do some notes or reflections or whatever. And that can be your journal for the year just to see how God has has moved and challenged you in terms of your character. The character that we're looking at this morning is a guy named Joshua in the Old Testament. And the character trait that we're going to look at is the fact that Joshua was a man of his word. Was a man of his word. And this is something that we highly value in life. We want to find a spouse, friends, employees, employer. We want to find men and women of their word. It's a high value for us. Many of us can think of a person... Who has not kept their word? Sometime in our life, and we can recall the consequences of that. You can think of that of a person like that. If that's not a high value for you, and uh, perhaps someone's thinking of you right now. Okay, uh, uh, this is a high value for us to find persons of their word, and that is the character trait that we're going to take a look at, and we're going to kind of look into our own souls and say, God, how is that going on in my life? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, once once again, we are thankful for your story. We are thankful for the characters that you have given us throughout history, the characters that we are surrounded with right now. And once again, we want to, we want to look at this man, uh, Joshua. And God, would you come and stir up his story in our hearts so that we can become men and women of great character, men and women who keep our word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. What we find at the beginning of our Old Testament is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then after that, it moves into the book of Joshua where we find our story today. So I invite you, if you brought your Bibles, to go into the sixth book in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. Joshua. Joshua has the unenviable task of following the mighty Moses. We looked at Moses last week. And Joshua is the one who has the task of following Moses and taking the people into the promised land. Moses uh, allowed the people to be freed from slavery in Egypt and they traveled in the desert for 40 years but Moses did not take the people into the land of Canaan into the promised land that was to be Joshua's job and that's what we're going to take a look at today Joshua was a part of the entire journey he was a young man when they were freed from Egypt probably around 20 something like that he was a young man he was with them throughout the entire 40 years in the desert He's been a part of the whole story. There's a time during Moses' leadership where Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan to go see how things were. And most of those spies came back and said, oh, they're huge, they're monsters, there's no way we can take them. And only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can take them. We can do it, we can do this. There was something in Joshua that God saw and allowed him to be the one to take them into the promised land. What we're going to do here real quick is take a look at three times in Joshua's story where he was a man of his word. We're going to get started in chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. This is the first of three. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. You're allowed to say that because it's in the Bible. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, what happened was that the king of Jericho knew that the Israelites were coming and he was afraid of them. And uh, this is part of Joshua's plan to lead the people across the, the Jordan River and to take Jericho to take the city of Jericho and the king nervous of that went over sent some uh, people over to Rahab and said have you seen anybody and she did uh, that they went that away kind of thing she said the spies are not here and she kind of redirected them on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites jump down to verse 12 she does this for them and then she says now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. The spies who were with her reply, Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So what happens here is Joshua leads the people then, soon after this, to take the city of Jericho. This is where the song comes in. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Okay, so he, he marches around the city six times, and then on the, si- on the seventh day, he marches again, and then they all shout, and the walls come crumbling down. down. Okay, I know, you don't pay me to sing, but uh, that's the story that, uh, that happens there. And then jump down to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 20. When the trumpets sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Now that's one of those verses that we'd much rather skip over. That's one of those verses, one of many in the Old Testament that are hard to read. They're the kind of verses that, that when we read this on our own, we say, okay, I don't get that. That's not the God I serve. And so I, I could have easily skipped over that, but it's there. It's part of the story. And we are to embrace God's story to embrace it, let it become part of us, it doesn't mean we need to fully understand every step of it. It doesn't mean we are expected to fully understand all of it all. Um, a lot of peace that I get from stuff like this is just remembering that it was a different world that God was dealing with and that it becomes a trust issue for me to say, God, even if I don't understand why you chose to do that, I still trust you. Verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites, they completely destroyed all of Jericho. But they did not touch this prostitute named Rahab and her family because Joshua gave his word. Through these spies, he gave his word, we will take care of you. Joshua was a man of his word. The story continues. And the people of God, they move on from Jericho. They're moving on to the next city, which is called Ai, A-I. They're moving on to the next city city and they assume because of who they are and and what God has promised them that they're just going to take over things. But things don't go well for them. And the reason is that God says when you take Jericho you are not to take any of the plunder for yourself. No booty for yourself. They are not to take it. This is all devoted to God. You are not to stuff some of it in your pockets. But a, a, a man named Achan decided he would do that. And uh, Joshua was, was not aware of this. But he learns about it and then he, he talks to Achan about it. Chapter 7, verse 19. This is the second time in Joshua's story where we see that he's a man of his word. Verse 19, then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It's true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan was not a man of his word. As the Israelites who were to say to God, We will not take plunder for ourselves, Joshua fully stood by that. And he couldn't even understand anyone who who couldn't stand by, who wouldn't stand by that. Achan was not a man of his word. Joshua was a man of his word. Let me jump to a third time. The people in the cities around Jericho and i they're starting to get nervous about the Israelites who are coming in to take the land of Canaan. They're getting nervous. And there's a group who come up with a plan. Jump to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 3. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded, and worn out sacks and old wineskins cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. They were tricking Joshua. They were saying, we're not local here, wink, wink. We're from far away. And so can you make a treaty with us because we're not the ones you're after. Jump to verse 14. The men of Israel sampled their provisions. They saw their worn out clothes. They probably tasted the moldy bread. Ew. But did not inquire of the Lord. That was their problem. Verse 15. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. In other words, Joshua gave his word that the Gibeonites would not be harmed. Jump down to verse 18. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, We have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. Once again... Joshua has given his word, and he stands by it. I believe one of the main reasons Joshua was, was chosen to be the leader, to take them into the land of Canaan, is that he was a person who would keep his word. We see this three times in here. This is a major character issue. This is an issue of integrity. Uh, this will not be the last time we, we talk about integrity this, we're, this year as we talk about character it's not the one Sunday where we talk about integrity. Integrity is often synonymous with character. A person of good integrity, a person of good character. If you want to jump back to your middle school mathematics and remember what an integer is. An integer is a whole number. It's where we get the same root word integrity, and integer. An integer is a whole number. Zero, one, two, three. It's not a fraction, it's not a decimal. It's a whole number. And they come from the same root word because Integrity is about being whole. It's about about different parts of your life being consistent. It's not that we are a certain person in one area of our lives and a certain person in another area of our lives. We can't say that we have integrity in this area of our lives, but we don't have integrity over here in this area of our lives. Either we have integrity or we don't. Integrity is when our actions are consistent with our words. We are whole. We are consistent. They are integrated. Here's an example of someone who is lacking integrity. I have a slide here. Do we have that slide that we can show up here? Here's a note uh, on a window of a car. Hi, my name is Jack. I accidentally hit your car and someone saw me, so I'm pretending to write down my details. Sorry, Jack. I can't tell you how much I love that. I just think that's hilarious. That this person's, he knows there's people around him who've witnessed it and he goes, dummy oh, me. And he's writing down, I'll make sure I get my information here. Puts it down there and he's gone. You'll never see Jack again. And that's probably not his name. See, that's not integrity. That's where your actions are not consistent with your words, with what's going on. And being integrated is when those two are. Together, I've told this story before, but when I was in Cincinnati a number of years back, I would occasionally meet with a seminary friend of mine who was in Indianapolis, and we would—he was in Northern Indianapolis—and we would each drive about an hour and a half in order to meet one another halfway between. We would meet at a Frisch's Big Boy halfway between Cincinnati and Indianapolis, and uh, we would typically meet at seven in the morning, so we would ha- each have to leave at five in order, thirty in order to do this trip. And one morning I got up and did my thing and said goodbye to my wife and got to, got to work. And I realized that I had forgotten to meet with Dave at Frisch's Big Boy that morning, which was a huge deal because he woke up at whatever time, left at 5 30, waited at 7 o'clock for whatever time, and then went home after an hour and a half drive. Totally blew out his morning. I was in my office feeling terrible shared an office with a guy named Rusty, and while I was in my office, a guy named Tom Snow, who was uh, part of the prayer team at, at the church, he was at the door talking to Rusty, and I was at my desk, and I was just, I was just feeling the weight of what I had just done to my friend, and this was, this was before either of us had cell phones, and so we couldn't even contact each other. I hadn't gotten a hold of him yet, and they were talking about integrity, Tom and Rusty, the two kind of behind me in the office. And then Tom, who was standing at the door, I, I, I kid you not, I remember it word for word. He says, you know what I think integrity is? I think integrity is when you say you're going to meet somebody at Frisch's at 7 a.m., you show up. He said that. And that's when I turned around. I said, "What?" And he said, "What? What?" And then we had to kind of this, "What? What? What? What?" And we had this little thing going on. There's no way he could have known my story. No way anyone was connected to Dave Pappas. No way he could have known this story. He had some. He still has some freaky supernatural uh, uh, God connection. I'm not kidding. The guy. I mean, this was more than one story where this guy would would be aware of stuff that he's not supposed to be aware of. It drove me crazy. But I believe in that moment, I believe God was speaking to me, not, not, not slamming me uh, 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 you know, on the back of the hand, but he was speaking to me and saying, Alan, this is an area of your life I want you to work on. This is an area of life that you have been struggling with your whole life. This part of integrity. I know some of you in this room can relate to that feeling in your gut When your actions don't reflect what you want to communicate to somebody you care about, that feeling of, why did that happen? Why did I do that? Again, it's a heavy feeling. It is an issue of integrity. The way I see it, there's two kinds, there's two ways that we are not men and women of our word one is the unintentional ways where it's simply disorganization, it's slop, it is, it is not thinking ahead. It's the example that I just told you. It's, it's not an intentional thing. It is an unintentional way of not keeping your word. It's showing up late for a meeting. It's forgetting about a meeting. It is saying that you'll do something and not doing it. It's missing a deadline. It's that feeling that parents get when they watch a movie like Hook, and they, and they have the scene where the father says, I will be there for your softball game. And then the father doesn't show up. That feeling that we get, that unintentional not being a man or a woman of our word, it's communicating through our actions something that we do not want to communicate to people that we love, respect, and care about. And then there's intentional ways. Intentional ways that we are not men and women of God. And these are just ways that we, we flat out don't mean what we say. It's when we say things like, I'll call you, or I'll buy lunch next time, or I'll eat the salad after I eat the steak. I don't mean those things. I don't mean that. I never, I never eat the salad. It's, it's those times where we, where, we, uh, intentionally, where we intentionally are not going to do the thing that we're saying we're going to do. Whether it's unintentional or intentional, these are character issues. These are big character issues. Now, I think there's a third category. I'm not sure where this third category fits in. Maybe you can kind of decide, but the third category is is sarcasm. And sarcasm is kind of this thing when our words don't quite reflect our actions or when we're not quite integrated. Uh, A little ways back, I was having lunch with my family and one of my kids said, "Uh, Dad, do you really, when you leave in the morning, do you really go for a run? And I said, no, I just go around the corner and smoke and then come back. (laughs) And then my wife, she got that look that, that, I'm trying to remember why I married you, uh, look, and, and my little five-year-old girl picks up a french fry and says, you mean like this, daddy, and she's doing, and my wife's look kind of doubles, and what are you thinking, and because sarcasm, I'm, I, it's taking me a while to learn, it's lost on kids, it's just lost on kids, now I'm not 100% sure that sarcasm is sinful, I don't know, I just know that it's often not helpful, <laughs> That's the only thing. So th- there's kind of an, an integrity thing perhaps connected with that. But, but for the most part, I'm talking about those times where unintentionally or intentionally we are not men and women who keep our word. So at this point, you might be saying, fine, Joshua is a person of integrity who keeps his word. And that we want to be men and women who keep our word. We want to parent children and, and develop in their character that they would be men and women who keep their word fine how do we do that how do we do that all right we'll see you guys just (laughs) kidding Uh, there is something in Joshua's story that I think is so helpful here let's go back to chapter one it's how God launches Joshua in to be this leader And this might be the section of Scripture in the book of Joshua that we're most familiar with. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. God says to this young leader. Actually, he's not so young anymore. He says to this leader, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those are good words. Those are very, very, very good words. You know, but it's not enough to just tell someone, be strong and courageous. You have a hard life, you have a hard week ahead of you, be strong and courageous. Go. It's not enough to just just be told that. It's like telling somebody who has diarrhea to just hold it. You need more than willpower. Did I lose you on that? I'm sorry. We need more than willpower. And what God is saying here, I think, so clearly is that it's it's not just willpower. It's about managing our data input. It's about managing what we put in. Verse 8. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Read it. Think about it, do it. May this be what you are internalizing. May this be the part that transforms you. This is the message of, of the Bible in terms of how we are to live life. The overall message of the Bible is to love God and love others. The Ten Commandments that they had at this time most of them had to do with honoring other people. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. In other words, honor somebody else's ability to breathe. Do not steal. Honor their possessions. Do not commit adultery. Honor their bodies. Do not bear false witness. Honor them by telling the truth, by being men and women of of your word as you talk about what happened and what was going on. Jesus in the New Testament, he's asked, if you could have one commandment, what would it be? And he sums up all the commandments. He says, we are to love God and love others. Not just the Ten Commandments, all the commandments, over 600 that we find in the Old Testament, they can all be summed up, love God, love others. Love God, love others that we would honor God, that we would honor others. It's consistent throughout Scripture. And that when we honor other people, that's when we're driven to keep our word. When we drift from honoring other people, for whatever reason we don't know them, we're different from them, and we don't honor them, we are much less motivated to keep our word. When we think about our relationship with our spouse and our parents and those that we, uh, our friends and, and people that we work with or whatever, when we struggle with keeping our word, we can be driven powerfully to be men and women of integrity by honoring them. That is a message so consistent throughout Scripture that if we would absorb how God is saying to do life, we can be strong and courageous. That's how we can be strong and courageous. There's the opposite of strength and courage that is talked about a few times in Joshua's story. And it's just an interesting phrase. It says that their hearts melted, that the people of Jericho were afraid of the Israelites and that their heart melted. It's the opposite of courage. It's the opposite of strength. And at one point, Joshua's heart melts when he loses in the battle of Ai because of what Achan had done in chapter 7. I want to jump there, back there for just a moment, back in Joshua chapter 7, and then we're almost done. Chapter 7, verse 6. Remember, again, this is Achan who did not honor his word and went and stole the booty, stole the plunder when they took Jericho. And at this time, Joshua did not know what had happened. Verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Here he is entering into second-guessing. It's the opposite of strength and courage. His heart is melted at this point. Jump down to verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant. In other words, they did not keep their word, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you is devoted to destruction. Let me read that again. I will not be with you anymore unless. I will not be with you anymore unless. That's a tricky phrase. That's a tricky phrase. Are are we saying that God's presence and His power is conditional? I think that's what we find in the story here. That it is connected to our character, to our morality, to the decisions that we make. That strength is about being men and women of our word, that we are strong enough to hang on to our word, and courage is, is being able to endure the consequences of that. It's conditional. It's connected. I'm not talking about God's love. I'm not talking about His grace. I'm not talking about salvation. Those are things that you cannot deserve, you cannot earn, you cannot run from. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about God's presence and His power. They are connected to how we do life. That the strength and courage that we want to have when we do life is connected to our character. That's a big deal. Unless we are men and women of character who keep our word, who have integrity, we will not experience the fullness of God's power and His presence. Again, I'm not talking about grace and salvation. I'm talking about how we experience God. So, so, How about you? How is this area of your life, when you say, I give you my word, does it matter? Does it carry weight? Or do people say, yeah, we'll see about that. How do people respond when you say, I give you my word? If life is hard right now, financially, emotionally, physically, And maybe you are seeking peace in terms of your relationship with others, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself. How is this part of your character going? Are you holding up to being a person of your word? Are you saying things like, I will quit. I will stop. I'll quit drinking. I'll quit doing that activity. I'll quit looking at other women. I'll quit flirting with other men. Are you saying those things knowing full well you are not ready to stop? Are we saying those things to God? saying Confessing again and again and again. Is our heart truly wanting to be transformed? Or are we just leaning on God's amazing grace? Really? The good news is that no matter what our story has been up until this point, no matter how much our character has been dented by our decisions in the past, no matter how far we are from this, we can be transformed to be men and women of character, men and women who keep our word. No matter what you've done, that is the great news. The bad news is that it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen because someone prayed over you. Unless God chooses to do something supernatural, it doesn't happen because you've memorized a certain verse. It happens because we have a regular intake of God's way of doing life. We have a great regular intake of His Word. We're meditating on it day and night so that we can be transformed to think about people differently, to honor them, and then in turn be so motivated to keep our Word with them, with ourselves, with our God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, this, there's a broad stroke here this morning with regard to being men and women of God. It's a broad stroke, and, and there's, there's so many different stories that are connected to that, whether it's a, a, a little mistake here or, or a huge lifestyle issue. And whatever it is, God, I pray that you would bring strength and courage into this place. Just the way you've you said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I pray, God, that you, not, not my words, but that you would say to hearts here in this room who are ready to hear from you, that you would say, be strong and courageous in ways that have, would have supernatural meaning this morning. That we would think of our small and large stories and, and be so motivated to be men and women of character, men and women who would keep our word for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. May you have a uh, fantastic week. And if you're interested in being baptized, we will see you after the second celebration. We'll talk about that. Take care.